I'll let her know that I'm going to stick around. Okay. So. All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Dan Bennett uh, from Praise Temple Apostolic Church. Uh, thank you for joining the podcast today. And I just wanted to speak with you um, today on a recent experience I had. Um, and if I had to title this something, I, I guess I would title it uh, What I Learned in Prison. Um, and so I'm going to begin with a scripture today, and it's Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. And that says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And again, I'm, I'm talking today about the things um, that I learned in prison. So recently, um, our ministry team traveled to um, a prison um, to conduct some, some ministry services uh, there. And so I'm just going to kind of recap uh, what my experience, what I took away from that, what I expected. Um, what I didn't expect. Um, so here we see um, in this verse in Philippians that that Paul is writing here and he's saying that that all of the things that are happening to him uh, and he's in prison at this time, that all of these things that are happening to him are, are happening uh, for the promotion of or to contribute to the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, you know, the gospel is, is present no matter where we are, no matter what our situation is, no matter where we're at, no matter what our background is, uh, no matter where we think we are in relation uh, to the will of God, the gospel is present and working uh, in the lives of people everywhere. And that kind of leads me to my uh, first point, my, my expectations of, of prison ministry. Uh, I can tell you that uh, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I, I think it can be a little intimidating. Um, and this was my first um, experience. But it can be a little intimidating. Um, you know, how do you, how do you go into a prison? And uh, generally speaking, a lot of our uh, apostolic messages and a lot, and a lot of Christian uh, sermons and messages alike are based on freedom you know, um, coming to God and surrendering to God. And when we do that, he's going to set us free of the things um, that we struggle with. So how do you go into a prison and and tell somebody that knowing that at the end of that service, you'll be allowed to leave and they won't? Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I, I wasn't sure um, what the ministry role would be and, and, and how it would be received um, from the inmates there. Uh, but I think of a, a story in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and, and uh, most are probably somewhat familiar with that, and that's the, the story of the lame man at the gate uh, that, that Peter and John encountered. And we could see that, you know, there, there were probably were some differences in expectations here uh, on both parts. Uh, expectations from the lame man and expectations that Peter and John had. Uh, in verses 6 and 9 of that third chapter of Acts, it says, um, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He said, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping, up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And so we can we, we can look at this and maybe see a difference in expectations, right? The, the lame man, um, as this was a, a, a daily, um, a, a daily um, occurrence for him to, to uh, beg for alms, to, to ask for provision um, at the gate. He was used to that, and he was used to um, those people providing that for him. And, and he really didn't expect anybody to have anything different for him. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, this gets, gets preached from a perspective of, you know, having an expectation of what God can do. You know, God's not necessarily going to always provide us our, our monetary needs um, or, or a, um, a tangible blessing. But if we're willing to sacrifice ourselves, if we're willing to be humble, you know, God's going to give us the things that we truly need. And first and foremost, that's salvation. That's restoration and uh, reconciliation with him uh, through salvation, through, through being born again, through uh, repentance and, and being baptized in Jesus' name in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Um, but we could also look at it maybe what, what Peter and John's expectations were here. Did they, did they maybe um, feel inadequate in some way? Have we ever felt inadequate in ministry? Have we ever thought that, you know, I really, I really don't know what to do in this situation. Um, all I know to do is, is to tell you what the Word of God says, uh, and I can pray. I can pray with you, um, but that's all I really know what to do. Um, you know, oftentimes when we're when we're put in a situation that's unfamiliar, uh, we don't always have to have uh, the right answer. Um, we have to be willing to trust God and to let Him lead us. And so, here we see that Peter and John uh, relied on the only thing that they knew, uh, and that was the Word of God, and that was that was to reach out to somebody uh, in a need. And to pray for him. Um, and so my, I'm not sure what my expectations were uh, going into prison ministry. Um, but it, I, I could say that it wasn't, it wasn't um, what I thought it would be. Um, the, and a lot of that was not set. Um, that tone and that atmosphere was not set necessarily by the ministry. That tone and atmosphere was set by the uh, by the inmates or the congregants, uh, you might call them, um, because the the uh, the inmates that came in, you know, there was a, a predetermined time that they would come in, and there was uh, such an anticipation on their half that they were going to receive something from God. Um, there was such uh, an expectation on their behalf. Um, that they were going to receive something from God, that God was going to move in their life uh, in some way. Um, you know, I think I think in a lot of our churches, um, you always have, um, you know, in an average size, average size congregation, you might have a handful of folks that that we could probably 
um, look at and say, you know what, th those are the people that always show up each and every service, and they have a true expectation that God is going to do something, that God is going to do a miracle, that God is going to do something wonderful, uh, that God is going to show up today. But uh, in this particular service, it was it was nearly every individual that walked through the door. Um, and you could see it on their face when they walked in, that they expected that something was going to happen. Uh, so often in our services, um, in our established churches, um, you know, the worship team has to, has to get everybody involved, has to um, prod everybody. The worship leader has to encourage um, and, and exalt. Um, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't needed. Um, the, the inmates did that as they walked through the door. Um, they literally walked through the gates with thanksgiving. And so um, the way our services were, were kind of formatted there, we had um, a worship service, uh, and then we had a, a separate time for Bible study. We had about an hour and a half Bible study uh, after the worship service, after we uh, broke for lunch, um, and we covered a couple topics there. But the, uh, you know, the worship service, uh, like I said, was there was such an anticipation um, on behalf of the attendees there, um, the inmates, um, that they knew that they were going to get something from God. Um, you know, and even when we compare, uh, I was looking at this particular service and comparing it kind of what we see on a, a week-in, week-out basis um, at some of our established churches, at most of our established churches. Um, I think we could all probably think of everybody in our congregation, and no matter what church you go to, no matter where you're at in the country, um, you always have folks that come in, you know, if service is at 1 o'clock, they're going to be there at 12.59 or maybe maybe 10 after 1. Um, you know, they just, just, you know, for whatever reason, there's always something that kind of comes up, and, and life is life, and I understand that I'm uh, not speaking, you know, ill of that, but um, no matter where you go, um, there, there are those that will um, come in right at service time. Um, but with, with these, with, with these uh, women, this was a female prison, uh, as soon as they were allowed to come into the house of the Lord, they, they just poured in and funneled in. You know, they, ha they had a preset time. Uh, they had to sign up for services. Um, so that was kind of interesting. You couldn't just come uh, to the service unless you had previously been approved. Um, that way the, um, the staff knew, you know, had a, had 100% accountability of everybody at all times. Um, so you had to make up in your mind before service that you were going to service. Um, and so it wasn't something that was uh, required. Uh, it was optional. And so they all made that determination within themselves that, that at the appointed time, this is, this is where I'm going to be and, and nothing's going to uh, keep me from that. And that was also one of the things that um, in, in kind of our pre-briefing or preparation um, that came up as, as far as, you know, you might wonder about some of the behavior or, um, you know, maybe a potential incident that might, might arise uh, in a service like this. Um, but it was, it was uh, communicated to us that, you know, the, pr the, the prisoners or the inmates will... Um, almost kind of self-police themselves um, in that situation because they don't they don't want anything to happen that is going to take that service away um, 
so they, they hold that service and that opportunity in high regard uh, to come into the house of the Lord. Uh, and as far as that, the chapel that we were set up um, as the inmates came into the chapel, you would have never known um, really from the exterior of the, of the building. Um, the chapel was its own separate um, facility. Uh, you would never known from the outside or even definitely not on the inside that you were um, inside the gates of a prison. Um, you would have never known that you you were not in any other established church, a uh, very beautiful church, uh, well-maintained, uh, clean. Um, it just, it just, there was no, no uh, lacking whatsoever um, for the building, for the environment, um, for the worship. When the worship began, um, you know, there was really, uh, I don't believe the service leader even had an opportunity to say, uh, you know, let's begin to praise the Lord because they were already praising the Lord. Um, as the music was playing, you know, they came in worshiping. Um, and at the appointed time, it just, it, the service just absolutely took off. Um, the response to worship was absolutely amazing. Uh, there was not one person. Uh, I, I would guess that maybe we had about, it, um, may, maybe a hundred inmates. Uh, but there was not one person in there that that wasn't involved in worship and in that 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 wasn't taking accountability for what they were contributing to the service and and there wasn't one person uh, that I saw that wasn't there to truly get an encounter with God and get something from God. Their response to the word when the word was preached, um, I, I would highly encourage any young minister if you have an opportunity to. Uh, attend a prison service, attend uh, prison ministry, uh, it would be a wonderful, wonderful place to preach uh, because they just absorbed the word, uh, took all of the word in, um, got behind the preaching. Uh, you, you know, there wasn't anything that they left on the table. You know, again, oftentimes in our, in our established churches, you know, the, the, the preacher or the pastor has to, again, prod the congregation. They, um, sometimes have to, uh, I think we could be honest, we, they, they sometimes have to sell the congregation on what they're saying. And that's, that just simply wasn't the case here. They just, uh, they loved everything um, about the word. And they were very responsive to it. When it came time for the altar service, um, when the call for the altar uh, went out, um, the altar area was completely full. Um, they had, had people standing in line all all about the altar and it really was it was a beautiful thing because in the in the women's prison the the men were prohibited from touching the female uh, inmates and so the women that attended they were the ones that would do the laying of the hands and, and so then the husbands would um, essentially pray with the wives um, as the wives were um, doing the laying on of hands and, and, and praying with the inmates but that didn't that didn't hinder uh, anything. Um, it didn't hinder a response. Um, it was a very, very powerful altar call. We had uh, several people uh, refilled with the Holy Ghost, several people um, filled with the Holy Ghost. We had deliverance. Um, it, it was absolutely amazing, the response um, that was given to God. Um, you know, and so then we, we, we broke a little bit. Um, at the appointed time, 
Um, and that was one thing that, that I did observe was, I, I believe it was 1130 was the time that our service was supposed to end. And the service ended at 1130. Um, at 11.30, they all had to get up and they all had to leave. There was no lingering. There was no um, feeling of, well, I just need a couple of more minutes to pray. Um, you know, and sometimes, again, in our services, um, and when I say our services, I mean, you know, throughout uh, churches in, in North America, I guess you could say, um, we can come away with a feeling of, you know what, I'll, I'll pray again next time. Um, I'll get closer to God next time. But you could you could tell that these inmates knew that there was an appointed time when the service was to end. And so if they were going to get something, they had to do it before that time. Um, and so we broke for lunch, and uh, we had some fellowship among the ministry there. And then we came back together for a Bible study. And... I would say that the inmates almost could have given the Bible study. They were very knowledgeable um, on anything that was discussed or anything that was brought up. It was a very um, uh, unique way that they chose their topics. The inmates actually chose their own topics. Um, and then that was presented to the ministry, and the ministry was to teach on those uh, topics. And so we spoke about Paul's trials uh, and also covered some aspects of the Sabbath. Um, but it was a, a very engaging Bible study. Um, you could tell that they definitely spend time in their word. Um, and anything anything uh, that the ministry said, you know, that you could tell that they were referencing their Bible and they were writing it down. Um, and they were just trying to absorb everything that they possibly could. It was a tremendous, tremendous uh, reception um, for everything that God had. Um, for them, and I would say that the ministry that went with us received just as much as they did. Uh, and, and so I would look at another scripture in Jeremiah 23 and 24 uh, when I think about what, what did I take away. Uh, and it says in verse 23, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. And if we look at John 4 and 24, it says that, in part, it says that God is a spirit. And so we know that God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. Uh, he's everywhere at all times. And I would say that um, even when you go into uh, a situation like a, a prison service, uh, God is absolutely there. The unique thing about that is there it seemed like there wasn't as many distractions Um as there might be in, in another service. Uh, but God was absolutely there. Uh, he was absolutely moving. Uh, and it seemed like the inmates truly embraced uh, Matthew 18 and 20, where it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. They, they knew and they understood um, and they embraced that regardless of their situation, regardless of what led them there, uh, they weren't going to have that hinder them from worshiping God and receiving something for, uh, from God. And so another, another scripture, uh, a point to, to point out, and this came up in our, in our Bible study. In Ephesians 3 and 1, it says, uh, at the beginning of that scripture says, For this calls I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And it was... Uh, 
our pastor pointed out, the, the way that this is phrased here and, and framed is, is Paul is essentially saying that even though I'm in prison, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. So it doesn't matter where you put me. It doesn't matter that I'm behind bars. I'm going to serve God uh, no matter where I'm at. And that truly was embraced there um, in, in that service and in that, in that congregation. It really is a congregation. They, they, have, um, they have a church going. And it, uh, it's a beautiful, wonderful experience. Uh, you know, I would encourage anybody that has an opportunity to attend a prison service. Um, don't be apprehensive about it. You know, all of the details will get worked out. Um, you know, go. Give of yourself. Give of your ministry. Uh, again, if you're, a, if you're a young preacher, it's a wonderful, wonderful place um, to preach or to, or to help minister in that service in some way. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. Um, like I said, God is everywhere and God is working. Uh, it's so amazing to see the things that God is doing um, in these last days. Uh, it truly is a blessing uh, to be part of these last days and to see how God is moving. So God bless you. I hope that this, uh, this has blessed you in some way. And thank you for tuning in to this podcast.